2 Kings chapter 5, go down to verse 20. Good news, it's getting light out. <laughs> the earth is turning, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It used to be dark right about now and I looked out, but God is good. Spring cometh. 2 Kings chapter 5, let's read from verse 20 to 27. Familiar passage, preached on it many times. Here we go. Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said to himself, My master was too easy on Naaman, this Armenian, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from his chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master... Send me to say, two young men from the company of prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. What a liar! That, that's me. That's not the text. He's lying. Verse 23. By all means, Naaman says, take two talents. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing he gave them to his two servants, and they carried him ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in his house. And he sent the men away, and they left. Verse 25, and they went and stood, then he went in and stood before his master Elijah, asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere. He's lying again, Gehazi answered. But Elijah said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female servants? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went out from Elijah's presence and his skin was leprous it had become as white as snow. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do, Lord, in the moments that remain this morning. We ask that you'd give us living understanding. We're certainly not here for some lecture, certainly not here to fulfill some obligation or duty, Lord, to ease some guilt or something. No, we're here, Lord, to minister to you and to receive from you the living word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain, will endure forever. So come and speak to us. Come on, ask God to speak to you. Speak to me, God, today. We'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. This is a remarkable passage of Scripture where this man of God, Gehazi, is in line to basically become the next prophet, as it was for Elisha in the prophet of the state of Elijah. And he behaves a certain way that causes him to end up leprous. And we want to talk about that. I had a powerful dream that has marked me. And I've shared it a number of times, but I'll share it again here in just a bit. I don't want to be disqualified. I don't know about you. I, don't, I hate being disqualified. I, I'm, a, I'm a competitor. Is anybody competitive? Yeah, I don't know that, that, you know, stir one another up to godliness. And sometimes competitive things are not of God. I've seen that. 
You know, if you, if you can't play sports and without sinking your putter into the green, you know, then maybe you shouldn't play and get a hold of your, get a hold of yourself. Start trying to tomahawk people with tennis rackets and kill people with balls because you lost or throw your, your Xbox 360 control across the room because you couldn't beat your, your father. <laughs> I lose most of the time. I'm not talking about my boy. He's wonderfully in control. God bless him. Got to be in control of our mouth because out of it flows the issues of life from our heart. And your, your tongue is the rudder of your ship. I was disqualified uh, in a sporting event. I've told it before. I was swimming in the Junior Olympics. I don't remember how old I was. I know my mama was there. I know my dad was there. And it was the freestyle. And I trained very, very hard. I was a competitive swimmer. And they said that, you know, it's possible you could go to the Olympics if you just keep training hard for the next 100 years, you could go. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how long it was. And, you know, we didn't do that. But, but we did swim competitively. And I did go to the, the Junior Olympics. And it was the... Um, Freestyle and breaststroke. I won the freestyle, but the breaststroke, I was actually my best stroke. And I was, you know, way ahead of the competition. And on the finishing lap, I hit the wall with one hand and then the other. That's a disqualification. You cannot hit the wall with, you must hit the wall, same time, two hands. And I remember when I came up, it was ba-ba. And I remember looking, the guy just said, oh, son. You know, you're disqualified. I cried. I could cry now thinking about it. <laughs> I was disqualified. I hate that. I don't ever want to be disqualified. How about you? How many of you just can't stand me? You won, but, 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 but you get disqualified. You can be disqualified. And, and uh, our life, our actions can undermine God's will, God's best for our life. And we do have notes, of, and we pass those out. Did you all get those this morning? Okay, so let's just pray for our administration department. God, we pray that you help them right now. Amen. John Christensen, go assist me, please. So uh, there'll be notes later. I'd encourage you to take notes if you so desire. It helps you remember. Uh, but there's actions in our life that can undermine, undermine God's will for our lives. And uh, I, I never want to do anything like that. I never, I never do. And yet at the same time, I find myself battling that fallen human nature that wants to disqualify me. You say, what's the fallen human nature? That's that aspect of you that when you're walking past some green grass or something and it says, don't walk on it. And you're like, you know, you just want to step on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that's it. Your fallen human nature. And we as uh, human beings made in the image of God, we have a will. We've got the power to choose. God's not going to do his will for you. God's not going to do his will in your life unless you will for him to do his will. You must will to do the will of God. So his will isn't just going to come about. I had a friend who, who took Latin in high school and he just loved the phrase amor fati. It's the love of fate. We don't believe in that. We don't believe in fate. Listen, you get to choose your, how your life is going to serve, you know, I mean, much of it is dependent upon the sovereignty of a wonderful, loving God. But you have to choose His will. And you can choose not to do His will. You say, well, it's, it must be, you know, the accident happened. Some of well, it must be the God's will. No, it isn't. It's not good. We, sometimes the, people blame God for the things that happened. It wasn't God at all. How many people are here this morning? Maybe uh, in, in the sanctuary, let's say 200 people, 200 adults. And then there's probably 100 kids back there here in the first service. So in this room alone, there's 100 wills. Every, every person here has a will. God has a will. You have a will. How many of you know the devil has a will? Yeah. 
Yeah, the devil has a will too. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was called the glory of man. And I've taught you all that many, many times before. And to uh, such a degree that God gave us freedom that we could actually disqualify ourselves. And Adam and Eve disqualified themselves. And you see that in the Garden of Eden. But God made a way for them. How many of you are thankful for redemption? So we're not robots. We have a choice. You have a choice. The deist would say that God created the world, wound it up, and then he stands back and he watches it as it ticks away. That's not the God of the Bible. God of the Bible is intimately involved. And since Satan now rules our world due to sin, God works through people. Everybody say this. Say, God works. God works through people who choose to do his will. God will work through people who choose to do his will. Now, you can't make the sun rise. God does God stuff, but he won't do you what your responsibility is. You can't raise the dead, but you can pray, right? So, this disqualification of this man of God, Gehazi. If you, if you study the previous chapters, you'll see Elijah is, chooses Elisha, who was a farm boy, and chooses him to carry the, the anointing, the mantle, if you will, to be the prophet in his stead. And, and so Elijah and Elisha are partnered. He was considered the servant of the man of God. He was a hand washer of the man of God, and he followed him everywhere. And there came a time when Elijah was going to be sucked up into heaven through a whirlwind, and Elisha asked Elijah, oh, pardon me, Elijah asked Elisha, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you before I go? And Elijah says, I want a double portion. He says, well, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken, then it'll be yours. So he stuck to him like glue everywhere he went. And then there came that time when Elijah was sucked up into the whirlwind. And this mantle, it's a, it's a hairy garment. Adareth is, uh, is, uh, is the, the Greek word. It's a stole, like a stole. Our, our sister, Reverend Jan, would you stand you for just a moment? All right, is this your husband's leather jacket? All right. So she has that like a, like a stole. You know, people don't usually wear stalls anymore. Am I stole? You know what I'm talking about? A, a shawl. How's that? Uh, okay. I studied too much Greek or something. I don't know what happened. Anyway, that's what that is. That's keeping her warm, perhaps. So that's what a mantle, it's the same word that's used for a mantle. And so it would be like a piece of garment that went, went over somebody, specifically a prophet. And so when the mantle fell, it was a picture of the office, a picture of his identity, a picture of his calling. He picked it up and he put it on. And then he went to the, he went to the river, where is the Lord God of Elijah? How many of you know that? And he struck it and, and the water went hither and thither, King James. And so... He becomes this, the next prophet, and he has a servant now, and his name is Gehazi. This is guy supposed to receive the impartation from the man of God and to basically be the next guy. God's desire, and I've preached many, many messages on it, God's desire to have his power represented in every generation, passed on from generation to generation. And one of the reasons that there's a, a, a lack of faith, a lack of believing God, is because there's been dialed down to a bunch of religion and, and rules made by man and not an intimacy and a demonstration of the power of God. The apostle Paul said, I didn't come with the eloquence of man but, or the wisdom of man, but I came with the power and demonstration of the spirit. So like when the Lord shows up and gives you the promotion, then you'll think, whoa, snap, that probably God. Stuff like that. He does stuff like that. Come on, somebody say amen. 
And so this man of God is there and Gehazi is serving him. And in another country, Syria, there's a man, his name is Naaman. Naaman was a, a great man and he was used by the Lord to bring judgment, actually. And it says he's a great man, but he has leprosy. Wow, a great man, but he had leprosy. It does show you the, the difference between Jews and those of Israel who had leprosy and other countries. He was a leper, but he was able to stay married, stay in his home, be with, be with his kids, and so on and so forth. And there was a slave girl who had been captured during the raiding parties that God blessed him on. It's a little strange, but God blessed him to bring judgment on Israel. And so he was seen really as a blessed man, a powerful man. And this slave girl, who we don't even know her name, loved Naaman and loved his wife. And we know that because she said, I just wish you would go back and see the man of God because he could heal you. Well, he gets a letter from his employer, gets a letter from the king, and he goes back. And he, and he goes to the door, he finds Elijah's house, and he, he knocks on the door. And, and Elijah doesn't even open the door. Gehazi opens the door. He's like the butler, the servant, the hand washer, opens the door. He says, what do you want? So here's Naaman, and you got to know that th this guy's got an entourage, all kinds of, you know, camels loaded down, a whole bunch of people with him. I mean, it's just like a small entourage or army outside the door. What do you need? He said, I came to get healed. Okay. <clears throat> Shut the door. Goes and talks to the man of God. Man of God says, go tell him to dip in the, in the Jordan. So he goes back and says, yeah, the, the word of the Lord is go dip in the Jordan seven times. Thanks. Is that it? Okay, great. Shuts the door. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, I want to give you this big offering. No, no, do we get it? No, no, that's, no. Don't receive the offering, just send him on his way. Well, Naaman gets all bent out of shape because he thought that the man of God would come and be like, oh, great God Almighty, do some swirling craziness, which happens at other times, but decides that he's not going to get up from his easy chair. He's going to keep watching, you know, YouTube or whatever he's watching. <laughs> going to look at something else on Netflix. Amen. And so, so Naaman goes away and, and he's all mad and he's upset. And one of the servants says to Naaman, dude, if he told you to do something great and you wouldn't, you do it, just do it already. Do the simple thing. And he goes and he obeys. He humbles himself and he dips, not, not four times, not five times, not six times, seven times. Number of completion comes up, is skinned like a fresh baby, completely healed. And he goes to, he, you know, loads up his stuff and he takes off. He's healed. And as he's leaving, we see this Gehazi gets a wild hair to go and get the money. L look at our text here. Look at your notes with me. Gehazi's name's mentioned 14 times, 2 Kings 4 and 5. And we see in the reading that Naaman had come and prepared to give a large offering. In fact, some would say it's over $3 million if you do the math by today's standards. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a big offering. And Elisha refuses the gift from Naaman, and he received gifts at other times. You know, it's all a matter of what the Lord says. You know, you got to obey his voice. And so he received 20 loaves from another man, uh, and it was a tie, the first fruit, 20 loaves in previous chapters. He had, he, had, he, had, he had done that. He'd received offerings and different things. Come on, he took, he took the, the meal and the, and, and the upper room that was made for him, you know, the lady that, that did, couldn't have a baby, didn't have a baby, and then he prophesied, and by this time, next year, you'll have a son. He received things, but now this time he doesn't. And so Naaman is on his way back, and Gehazi reveals his disgust. 
Where do you see that? Look at verse 20 with me. Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on naming this Armenian. See, that says a lot. Armenians were not liked. And we don't know what had happened in, in Gehazi's life. Maybe, maybe he had family that was affected by the raiding parties. Maybe things happened that caused him to hate Armenian Syrians. They hated them. There was prejudice. So he wasn't exactly happy. You know, maybe it'd be better if he just died. Why don't you just get your leprosy and hit the road and give me your money? So he says, really, you know, Elisha. Elisha was too easy. Way too easy. He shows a disgust for Syrians and he lies to Naaman. I mean, he runs after him and, and he hide, to hide his greed, he, he lies. Verse 22, is everything all right? Gehazi answered, everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master said to me, and not only that, he brings two other people into his conspiracy. He didn't do it by himself. He, he gets two other people to go ahead and lie with him. They knew what was up. Three million dollars, a lot of money though. Maybe he can go get a portion of it and pay off his, pay off his debts maybe. This is the man of God that is, is going to be the, the next Elisha. Gehazi was to be the next guy. And Elisha gives Gehazi an opportunity to repent, which I, I love how the Lord does that. He did it to Adam. He does it over and over and over and over and over again. Where are, where are you, Adam? Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. He gives him an opportunity to repent there in verse 25, verse 26. He says, is this the time for money? But he, he doesn't repent. It was not my spirit with you. You see, Gehazi violated God's will. Gehazi violated God's will. And the leprosy that Naaman had came on Gehazi, and he went out from Elijah's presence. I believe that God's speaking to us, and let me tell you this dream I had. I am... Um, I had one of those DNA tests done, you know, where you put a little spittle in a container and you send it off and, and uh, had that come back. It was, honestly, I was hoping for some Jew in there. Really, I was. But uh, we, we, they didn't find any. I think I'm part African-American, though. Praise God. All right, yeah. Yeah, one, 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 one hundredth percent or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I've found out that I am like, I don't know what it is, 90%, you know, Celtic, Scottish and Irish. And so I'm not surprised at that. I'm moved by the music, moved by the culture. I'm, you know, we had the privilege of going to Scotland. And when I got there, I just wanted to roll around on the moors and sniff at the grass and stuff. No, really, I'm serious. I want to get at a kilt and run around. Ah! <laughs> I still want to buy a kilt one day. One of the things I've had a love for my, my, whole, my whole life is uh, Irish cable knit sweaters. And they are very unique. And I remember uh, mom, when we were boys, that you got us sweaters. And, and uh, then we would pass them. You know, the, the oldest brother, I've got two older brothers, and they would pass them on when they didn't fit, you know, that kind of thing. How many of you got hand-me-downs? Praise God. Still like hand-me-downs. Thank you, Jesus. And so... We would wear those sweaters and go uh, surfing. Uh, March 1st, every year, we would sneak down to the Atlantic and go surfing at March 1st. Uh, you, I know you're not from 
the East Coast, but it's just about as cold as it is here, okay? March 1st is cold. And so we wore these fishing sweaters with, with the notion that it would keep us warm, and they didn't, and, and they didn't at all. And uh, furthermore, I almost drowned. I had one of these Irish cable knit sweaters wrap around my head, and I was sinking to the bottom of, you know, to Davy Jones' locker. It was going to really, really ugly. Somehow I was able to get that thing off and survived and crawled up to the beach to see that nobody saw me, nobody knew anything. And I was just like, I'm alive. I lost my sweater, though. Mom's going to be mad, you know. But she never found out and until a few weeks ago, I think, when I shared a similar story. And so now, Mom, you know where my sweater went. So the dream I had is this. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you this about Irish sweaters that you might not know. Uh, they're very unique. Uh, all of them are different. The handmade ones, I don't mean like the ones that are just put out on a, a you know, factory that, that made, by, made by hand. And they come specifically, originally, they originated from an island called Iran, or the Iran, A-R-A-N Islands. It's about nine miles out into, in the sea, and it is flat, and it's farmland and fishermen. And so each family, now watch this, this you can go and Google all this. Each family would have their own knit and, and would tell stories, actually, through the knitting. And you knew what clan you were from by the sweater that you wore. It was like a jersey, you know? You know what team you're on? Because you got that particular jersey on. So they, they wore these sweaters, and so, God forbid, that it would lose somebody at sea, which happened regularly if that body washed up. They would know what family came from from the sweater they was wearing. The, 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 the techniques were guarded over, and, and it was a very... In fact, sacred, I don't, think, I don't think I'm going too far to say sacred, the, the, the Trinity knot, and different things that they would do in these sweaters. How is that going to tie into what you're preaching on? Watch this. Here's my dream. I have a dream a couple days ago, and uh, I dream pretty frequently, but not all the time. I used to not remember any dreams, and then I asked the Lord to help me to remember them because I wanted them to talk to me. Dreams are a beautiful way that God speaks to us. One of the ways I know of the measure of, I'm going to go ahead and call it revelation or communication of God to me through the dream is the measure of God's power and presence on the dream. You know, if you have a nightmare, that's usually demonic, okay? I'm just telling you, usually. If you have dreams where the Lord shows you and gives you warnings and there's a sense of fear, but then God's presence is on, it's probably a warning dream. So this dream, I am looking down on like a college town type setting, uh, but it, it appears to be in Ireland. And as I'm looking down on it, I'm, I'm brought closer, and I see these three young adults walk out of a pub. They're not intoxicated or anything like that, but they are, they're enjoying fellowship and friends. And, and as they walk out, they're all going to walk across the street to another establishment, a restaurant, so on and so forth. They're giggling, there's laughing, lots of joy. It's not like evil this part of it anyway. And as they stepped off the curb, they stepped over a large uh, mass, which I, I couldn't really see what it was when they stepped over, but as they stepped over and kept walking, I was brought in close, and I saw in the gutter of this Irish town all these sweaters, all kinds of colors, all kinds of, all kinds of different knits, and as I looked at them, I, I, knowing a little bit about the Irish sweater, I, I knew what it was. And it wasn't like I needed to call somebody for a dream interpretation. I knew what the interpretation was. 
I knew that these sweaters and these knits had been passed down from generation to generation, and it was a picture of their clans. It was a picture of their family. It was a picture of their heritage. It was a picture of impartation. It was a picture of anointing. It was a picture of callings. It was a picture of what God wanted to do in the next generation. But in their, in their zeal and their, and their fervor, they pulled their sweaters off. It was too hot. It was, didn't want to wear it. It was encumbering them. It didn't look good. It didn't match the, the rolled up jeans. And, the, and the, you know what I'm talking about? It just wasn't cool for the day. And so they sort of took it off and threw it down. And they, they were like laughing. <laughs> and they stepped over. Not even know what they stepped over. And they moved on to the next thing they were doing. And the Holy Spirit brought me in. And I'm, I'm staring at these sweat. I mean, I could, almost, I could almost sketch it for you. It's a picture on this last Sunday that we need to be vigilant in our own walks. And we need to be not only vigilant as those who would receive a new mantle, a new impartation and inheritance, but to be vigilant that we see a next generation actually receive it too. If we don't see a great awakening in our youth and young adults, we will no longer be having church. I believe God's speaking to us this morning. So let's get to it. Roman numeral three. God desires to use us, but our actions can prevent God from doing so. You know, everything's a test. God's trying to bless us, but many times we, we don't pass the test. And what I love about the Lord is he doesn't just give you an immediate failure. You get to have the test again and again and again and again and again. And again, and, and you know, but I don't believe there does come a time when the, the, the testing is over. I mean, you can be turned over to being reprobate. You can have a seared conscience. We must not yield to the works of the fallen human nature. Gehazi, what was his problem? He'd seen the power of God. He'd seen miracles. He'd seen all kinds of stuff. But it wasn't enough to move him to, to live righteously. He, he yielded to his greed. Something inside him caused him to disobey the will of the, of, of the prophet, the will of God. He didn't understand it. He had prejudice. He had issues. He had greed. Galatians 5, verse 16. Let me read this to you. So I say, walk in the spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The only way to not gratify your fallen human nature is be filled with the Spirit. Amen. And to so, come on, somebody said there's, in your, in your life, son, I heard this, come on, somebody heard this like 100 years ago. I was probably there also. <laughs> in your life, there's two dogs. Got a black dog and a white dog. Just shoot the black dog and feed the white dog. That's the dog that'll grow. I don't know, I'm not sure what they meant by that, but I think it refers to Galatians chapter five. You feed your spirit, man. Feed the good, not the bad. Feed, feed that which is positive and, and, and encourage yourself in that and, and then you'll get stronger. It certainly is true according to Galatians, but it's a normal culture to just do whatever you want and live with the way you want to. You, know, you can't watch a TV show now without some innuendo. You got children having children. I said, we have children having children. So many scriptures that we could read to you. Corinthians and so on and so forth. We all have a tendency to rationalize our sin. 
verse 20, Gehazi, servant of the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy. This is him rationalizing. Like, this doesn't make any sense. I could use this money for the building project. This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, I don't know what he's thinking. I, I, I know better than him. And we can all rationalize. Well, all of us will be tested. Everybody say, I'm going to be tested. Yeah, you're going to be tested. When? Probably today. <laughs> really? Yeah. But listen, what are, what are tests about? They find out what you know and what you don't know. And when you pass and you pass the test, what happens? You get elevated, you get promoted. You, you, come on. You, you, you go on to the next grade. You go on to the next test. And I'm not sure this wasn't set up just to test Gehazi. And God will give us all a moment to repent. He'll give every one of us a moment to repent. And if we don't repent, then you get the results of it. His non-repentance brought death. He gets the leprosy. Wow. Our sin will derail God's best for our life. And one of the things we pray every day is that, you know, Lord, reveal to me if I've got anything that's out of accord, if I have anything in my life that grieves you, anything in my life that's going to derail me. Oh, God, help me. Show me. And he loves me so much that he gave me my beautiful wife who helps point out some of those things. Amen. We help each other. It's called accountability. I was talking to a youth not long ago and they're like, man, I'm, I'm 19. I can do what I want to. Notice I called them a youth at 19. We would call them a young adult. I'm 19 or I'm 20. I can do what I want. I'm an adult now. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second. I said, really? You're 20. You can do what you want. I'm an adult now. Well, let me just say that I'm 51. I know you thought I was 35, but I'm 51. Now, I can't do what I want, necessarily. I, I, I'm beginning to grow up in the Lord. I really don't want anything outside His will. There was a time where I would really have to fight and resist. But I, I can just go skip off. I mean, if I wasn't feeling good this morning, guess what? Preaching anyway. What if you were really sick? Well, then, you know, we'd figure something out. Pastor Karen, come and rip the roof off and melt the paint and be awesome. <laughs> Amen. We have, we, have, we have relationship with each other, my wife and I, of course. I have relationship with you. I, I don't do certain things. You'll never hear about me picking up a 12-pack. Is a 12-pack wrong? No, you beer batter halibut and all that. You ain't going to ever find me getting the, I might have beer batter halibut. Somebody might have purchased it and brought it to my house, but you won't see me. <laughs> Why? Because I never want you to think that I'm getting drunk and I'm not. And I never want the appearance of evil. I, I, I don't do certain things so that I, come on, you can't just, <laughs> the 20-year-old, I'm an adult. You're still accountable to your family. You represent the Lord. You represent your family. You represent, what do you, you represent, all of us affect all of us. We all affect each other. It's my life and I can do what I want to. No, it isn't. Not if you're born again and it's not your life and your life is his. Our sin can derail God's best. God is going to raise up a great generation of world changers. And I am burdened more than ever before to see the inheritance, spiritual blessing, the spiritual inheritance passed down to the next generation. We need God to help us to do that. And only God could quicken those, those three young adults walking across and didn't even see it. Didn't even see what they were stepping over. Didn't even know the importance of, their, of, the, of the generational blessing. They didn't even know it. Didn't see it. Can we blame them? No, we can't blame them. It started with the destruction of the home, the family, marriages, 
absentee fathers and absentee mothers. And the good news is if you didn't have a father and you didn't have a mother, you can get one right here. You can get a spiritual one and have somebody pour into you and love you and bless you and help you grow in the things of God. And, and you can walk in God's blessing. You can walk in God's highest. Come on, say amen. Very simple word on this last Sunday, 2017. Did you receive something from the Lord? I am, I am steadfast and committed to see my kids serve God with everything they have. Not like a controlling helicopter nut job. Do you understand what that is? That's like... Fix your hair. Hey, don't make any noise. Put that phone away. Hey, did you look at me cross-eyed? What are you... Did you just say, say something? You know, that controlling anger. You get over them and just make sure they don't do anything and shrink their life down to a little dime and stick it in your pocket. Be nice and safe right there. Now let's serve God. What? So the second they grow up and get out of your pocket, they're going to be shrapnel all over the local community. And if they live, they might come to the understanding that their super high controlling parents were probably right. Well, there's got to be internal an internal compass put there by the Word of God. See, there has to be an internal truth, an internal reality that God is real and God is alive and that you obey Him not because you're going to get in trouble from mom and dad or, or from the government. You, you obey God because He's God and he, and he loves you and He has this amazing plan which you'll be separated from if you don't love Him and obey Him back. He doesn't give you love based on your works. That's man. That's the world. God loves you unconditionally no matter what you're doing. You might feel like the worst rank sinner in all the world, but God still loves you the same as He loves you. He loves everybody else here the same. But there's intimacy. Come on, I can act the fool with my wife, and I'm going to tell you that we would not be as warm and fuzzy as we would be if I wasn't acting the fool. We still love each other? Yes. But if I act a fool and I hurt her feelings, I mean, you know, that's going to have some consequences. Maybe my dinner is going to be a little bit burnt. Maybe I don't get dinner. Maybe I get the couch. Your behavior will affect your walk with the Lord, but He still loves you the same. Come on, did you get something? Come on, let's believe to pass on to the next generation a godly heritage. Come on, don't let the sweater stay in the, in the gutter. Don't, don't, don't drop the mantle. Pass the mantle. Pass it on. You know, nothing personal, but the number one, number one disciples I have in my life are this young boy right back here. You and my daughter are the two main disciples I have. Oh, I disciple a lot of people, but the most important ones are, are, are these two. Why is that? So do they have favor more than other people? Are you kidding? Yeah. Duh. Oh, I, I've had people say, well, you can't, you know, you can't fit because you're the pastor. You can't favor your kids. What are you talking about? I know exactly the way they live. I know the way they pray. I know what they watch. I know how they talk. I know. And, and the lack thereof. Yeah, no, you, you elevate, you elevate, give your kids opportunities to flourish. Pass on the blessing. Pass it on. Don't pass on nonsense. What are you passing on? 
You, will, you and I will stand before the living God in the end and give an account for how we've lived. Oh my. And some of the things I've passed on, I'm not too happy about. But it's not over. I repent a lot. Did you get something? Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Come on, ask God to help you to do your part, to not derail your own life, but to help you to, to see an impartation and a transference even to the generation that comes. Father, we stand before you today so grateful, so hungry, so thirsty for your help. Oh, we need your help. We are bankrupt in and of ourselves. Lord, we're asking in the powerful name that's above every, every other name that you would deal a mighty blow to every bondage, to every chain. Lord, that you would re reveal to us your plan and your will if we don't know it. Oh, God, show us, speak to us that we would obey. You'd give us a heart to obey. Lord, that we would be single-minded. We would not be double-minded, unstable in all our ways. And that we would not derail our lives. I pray expose any greed on the inside of us. Expose any prejudice on the inside of us. Expose anything that's out of accord with your truth, your word, that we might repent, Lord, and change our minds. That we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, help us, I pray. And forgive us for our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And that we would see a mighty generation arise in this hour generation not like Gehazi who failed but a generation that follows through isn't seduced by greed sex money and seduced by the things of the world fame fortune none of those things God thank you hallelujah you know I need to say this and then we'll close this is like my second close I think you know what happened to Gehazi well he got leprosy yeah 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 but, but scholars say that Gehazi is one of the lepers outside the gate of Samaria. Do you know the story about the gate? It's the, the, the prophet is in there and there's famine in the land. And, and the, army, the, the, the army against Israel is outside. And, and, and I mean, it's really ugly. And they're all going to starve and die. And the prophet prophesies by this time tomorrow, a measure of flour will be sold for pennies. And outside the gate of Samaria, there's these prophets, uh, prophets, lepers. Scholars say one of the lepers was Gehazi. And, and he said, why sit here till we die? Let's go. I mean, if they kill us, they kill us. But if they don't, maybe we'll get some food because we're going to die either way. So let's go. And they got up and went. And the Lord caused the sound of their feet to be like an army. And the army, the enemies of God ran away and left everything. And Gehazi and his buddies got all this food and all, and they, and they went in a tent and hid it. And then they thought to themselves, wait a second, we should tell, we should tell everybody the breakthroughs here. And they went and told the breakthrough and the, the gate opened and Israel was saved. You see, even if you did derail, listen to me, even if you did derail, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. And, and it was Gehazi standing with the king when the, when the woman came back and he was telling the stories. The stories were, so, he was supposed to be the one that was actually bringing the miracles, but instead he's just telling about them. The woman comes back and, the, and he says to the king, this is the woman that Elijah, the, the son, and, she, and the king restores all of his, her property. Amazing. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed as we conclude this 
first service this morning. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in the condition you came in. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. I'll tell you what does matter. It matters what God says about you. And he died on a cross and rose again from the grave. You, you, you can't be born again. You can't have your sins atoned for, washed away by, by behaving right. But what you believe is the way that you behave. You can't separate the two. And the Lord loves you and he's got this awesome plan. If you'll receive him, if you'll ask him to come into your heart, ask him to come into your life, he will become your Lord and Savior. He will lead, guide, and direct you and help you. So I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get free. You don't have to know how. All you have to know is that he loves you and you need to receive his free gift. He'll take care of the grass because he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Every eye, every eye closed, every person praying all across this place, you say, that's me, pastor. I want to give my heart to Jesus for the first time. Well, in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or secondly, you, you've, you've drifted, you're, you've compromised, and you know you have, and you want to come home. You're not as on fire as you used to be, and you know that you've got things in your life, and you, you want to come home to Jesus. You want to recommit your life to the Lord. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. And number three, third, thirdly, if you're just not sure about your salvation, you want to be sure. In a moment, I want you to slip your hand. You see, that's, that's me, Pastor. Give your heart to Jesus the first time. Recommit your life to the Lord. Come back home. Give your heart back to Him. Get rid of the compromise. Or thirdly, just be assured of your salvation all across this place. On the count of three, you see, that's me, Pastor. You fit in any of those categories on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all the way in the back. Thank you, son. God bless you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray this right out loud. Come on, pray with me right out loud. No, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do something different. If you raise your hand, you're serious. You meant business with God. But like I said earlier, we don't ever want to embarrass anybody. But if you're, if you're for real, Jesus said this, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. So if you raised your hand or you didn't, but you're serious, you want to get right with God first time, you want to make a recommitment or you just want to be sure, meet me right here. Come on, there's others that are coming with you right now. Come on, just step out of your seat. We're going to pray all together right here. Come on, meet me right here. Come on, His mercies are new every morning. Brand new day. Brand new day. Come on. God's good. Fights till I'm found. Lisa and I. Come on, come. There's room for you. Come on, you can still come. We're going to pray and then service will be over. Pray this prayer right out loud. And again, if you didn't come up front, that's okay too. Just right from your heart, pray after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd fill and touch and bless each and every one of these. In the name of Jesus, amen. 